0: my oldest yoga student was 106 when i was teaching her yoga and what a delight that was to teach her to be with her she was an incredible extraordinary person and not just because she was 106 she was unique and vibrant like really really alive i never saw her where she wasn't uh, done up she had her hair done and she had her pearls on she had beautiful clothes on now when i taught her She was in a wheelchair, but she was totally with it in her mind. She could move uh, her upper body. We would do yoga in a group practice inside of a nursing home. And she would do the practices and the postures. And of course I spent lots of lovely time talking to her, but there was one posture that we did that she wouldn't do. Now this was all chair yoga, all of it, the whole thing was in the chair. And it was a mixed group of different people working with different projects. Some were senile dementia, some Alzheimer's. It was just a huge range of ability on all the levels. She was one of my most ablest students. She was totally there, present, paying attention all the time. So the first time hear heaven, it kind of surprised me. A lot of times people wouldn't do what I was saying because they couldn't hear it or it didn't make sense to them. But I knew she could hear me and I knew that I made sense to her. And we were doing lion pose. Those of you who know yoga, you know lion pose. You uh, take a big out-breath, you open your eyes really wide, you open your mouth really wide, you stick out your mouth, and you put your eyes all the way up to the back of your head. So you're rolling your eyes into the back of your head. It's a great big facial opening posture. She would not do it. And I talked to her about that, and she didn't want to look bad. It was that simple. She was 106 years old, and she thought it was ugly. And she did not want to look ugly. Welcome to the only podcast that will bring you more alive while you smash the patriarchy. Join me, Sam Wilde, aka The Fertile Feminist, every week as we shift the paradigm, reclaim our native fertility, and create together the version of ourselves that brings forth our hearts' desires and changes the world. I'm so happy that we're together again. Welcome back to The Fertile Feminist. Welcome to The Fertile Feminist. I hope you continue to share The Fertile Feminist with others so that our listening community can grow because there are so many important things that are happening here that are relevant and significant and urgently needed for ourselves personally and for the world that we are working to co-create while well, we can't really co-create this world if we're still stuck inside a density of lies and misconceptions if we're just sort of struggling and, and trapped inside of the limitations of patriarchy right we've got to come out of that for ourselves and have some new dawning realizations in order to truly be part of making A world that's better but better isn't a word that I love I talked about that in a podcast you could hear about 20 podcasts ago actually on living your best life and why I don't like the patriarchal word better and best and I think alive is a much better word so bringing the world more alive and what we're going to talk about today is something that I cannot think I don't know anybody this hasn't affected in any woman this hasn't affected not a single one because today I'm gonna talk to you about age. And we could say ageism, I'm not sure if that's really the right way to describe it. I would call it the patriarchy of age as we are in the age of patriarchy. Now my 106 year old student who didn't wanna be ugly Making lion pose was not an exception to the rule. She wasn't somehow an extremely vain person or an extremely superficial woman. She was very much a product of the sea that we all swim in. And truly, when you're swimming in the sea, you can't see the water around you. Women are told a lie. A fundamentally significant lie from the time we come into this world, well, arguably even before then. And the lie is that we are, exist, and live in a linear plane on a linear line. We are told that we are different than the male creatures, those born with or identified male at birth, born with male-identified body parts. We are told that we come in with All of our eggs, all of our potential physical reproductive fertility, and basically from the time we start menstruating all we're doing is dropping those eggs, losing those eggs, and we're on a trajectory as a linear line progressing in one direction from a place of fertility to barrenness, infertility, dryness, and ultimately death. Whereas somehow our male counterparts are in a world of constant regeneration. Think about that. Men are constantly regenerating their, their reproductive material. They don't run out of it like we do. They get a fresh supply, and they get just millions and millions and billions and billions of those sperms. Now, what's happening here? Because we aren't just talking about systems of the body, we're talking about systems of the body that have come somehow to be the mythology of the culture in which we live. So that when you come to be a woman of a certain age, the whole story that you are told is that you are aging so rapidly, and it's based on your eggs, of all things. This becomes self-definition for women. Hurry up in your 30s. You're already too old. you got to get producing babies because after that, it's all downhill. It is patriarchal, one-dimensional thinking, and it's a lie. Now, I'm not going to tell you right now that women can uh, continue to make eggs. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. I did a piece on menopause, and there are really cool scientists who are looking into and understanding this more deeply. And you can go back, I think that one was about 17 episodes ago, and, and really think about and learn about what we are new understandings about menopause when we actually look at it through a feminist lens and take away some of the lies of patriarchy. So I'm not going to argue the science with you right now about eggs, ovulation. But what we're gonna look at instead is how that system has somehow become the truth or the reality of people's lives. Before the age of patriarchy, when all of the cultures of the world were in relationship with a conception of the deity, as feminine not that deity was feminine and also masculine but the deity simply was feminine she was the creatrix of the entire universe it was from her that everything was born this was the truth in cultures everywhere this was a profound understanding around which people organized their lives their philosophies how they move through the world their business structures and this went on for the majority of human history during that time there was an understanding of the wheel of the year. Now you're probably familiar with that. If you're familiar with any of our carryovers from different pagan traditions, any Wiccan traditions, if you've looked into astrology at all, if you have any sense of ancient calendars, you'll know that they always went circularly, right? With the wheel of the year. And it doesn't take much. You don't have to to be a, a scholar of this kind of thing to understand that the circle of the year is based on things being cyclical, right, or seasonal. And in seasonal and cyclical and circular understandings, it's not a linear line. It's just that one is a circle and one is a line. Patriarchy is a line. And what we're talking here about, which is the fertile feminism, fertility that's influenced by the truth and the reality of being liberated people is circular and in that way it's seasonal it's also regenerative so you wouldn't say to me looking at winter uh, winter is so old and she's dying and that's the end of the story because you and I know that's not it's just simply not it's the beginning of spring it's simultaneously the end of the season and the beginning of the season and spring starts again in that ever regenerative cycle and season of life. So how would it be, given that that's the reality of nature itself, that we would have one group of people, 50%, roughly, of the world's population, who'd come out here only only going along this trajectory of, like, basically, you're aging from the second that you're born with your beautiful eggs all getting older. Tick, tick, tick goes the clock, even when you're three months old. And then on the other side, you have this lovely version of expressive fertility in the male structure, which is regenerative, constantly replenishing itself. A friend pointed out to me just yesterday that Brad Pitt was on the cover of a magazine because he's going to be a dad at 60. Well, how come he gets to be a dad at 60? Because he's constantly regenerating. (laughs) He's got lovely sperm in there. And um, out they come. And next month, he'll have a whole new batch of them. Well, how? Given the truth and the reality of nature of itself, as we ended up with one half of the half of the population you know on a quick sliding slope to barrenness aged and croniness and death and the other side Here we have these guys and the sexism and the deep, deep misogyny that's played out uh, comes in every kind of form. It comes in the way that an older man is distinguished. We know this, the looks of an older man, his gray hair or his wrinkles are are attractive, compelling. Um, They make him more sexy, whereas the same qualities in a woman, her gray hair, for example, her wrinkles make her ugly. In fact, if you think of the most disgusting version of a woman you can possibly imagine, she would be a hag, right? She would be a witch. She would be that crony, old, warded woman. She would be withered up. She would be absolutely full of wrinkles. <clears throat> she would be drooping, sagging, and barren of life. Okay, I want you to think about hocus pocus. Uh, I love that movie actually it's really fun and there now there's a Hocus Pocus 2 that just came out and it is the story of three witches and what are they doing they want eternal life and they want eternal beauty so they're going to eat or um, I don't think they're eating the children but they're sucking they're <laughs> sucking the spirit out of the children so they can be eternally youthful now imagine that movie with three men probably wouldn't go over as well and we think about this is like the perfect example, right? Of the most hideous kind of woman you can imagine is old. She's old. That's the worst thing you can think about. And she's wrinkled. Now I was talking to a friend the other day about this. Wrinkles in and of themselves are are not good or bad, right? They're, they're, they aren't ugly or, or beautiful. They just they're just they just are. And you could have a culture in which in which as you wrinkle, you become more sensual, more desirable, more not just more wise. I know we always go to like wise, but I'm actually trying to combat that with some conceptions of fertility. There's a book that I have. It's a beautiful book of photographs of older women who are photographed naked or partially nude. I mean, it's not pornography. It's very artistically done. And it is trying to shift that conception of what age looks like. So these women are portrayed as very lush, very sensual, gorgeous, and it's not just sexual, it's uh, a sense of their potency, a sense of their uh, energy and life force. So women are told so many lies that bring us to a place where aging is something we fear, But even worse than that, it's something we believe. We believe we're running out of time. We're running out of time to have babies. And whether we want to have them or not, it then becomes we're running out of time to be creative, productive, alive, contributive. All of those qualities of fertility are held in that. You can't simply say to a woman, it's your eggs. And that's a, that's a part of her and expect it to somehow be segregated so the lie that we believe begins to infect our thought on every level what does it look like to be postmenopausal to be vibrant to be creative to be engaged is that even a possibility well we know it's a possibility because the lie is the linear movement through chronological time when the truth is we move in a wheel of a year in a cyclical way through seasons of time and life that are self-regenerating. My work with the Sacred Order of the Great Mother is very important because it's so corrective of so many of these destructive lies. And in the concept of the Great Mother archetype, in the truth of the Great Mother archetype, is an understanding of that constantly renewing resource. So the great mother archetype is she who does not get barren. She does not age herself out. She does not get dried up. She's not on a linear pathway to destruction, but she is continuously being replenished. And in that are seasons of life. We all have seasons. We don't just have young seasons and old seasons. That's wrong and oversimplified. We have active seasons. We have interior seasons. We have seasons like the moon has seasons. We have fullness of expression. We have the quiet of the new moon, and we have all the different stages in between. When we believe about ourselves that we are involved in the linear aging process and that we are moving so quickly against our own biology, right? Against, you know, hurry up because your, your own body is ticking. Think how little they have studied women and women's bodies. How little research scientists in the medical profession truly know about it. And think about the lens at which they always look at us. And always, by always, I mean always. We are swimming in the sea. It is, it is the glasses we wear so much so that even people that I know who are strongly feminist, who would consider themselves like really trying to take off that lens and look in a different way, have been affected. Their sense of themselves as beautiful, their sense of themselves as vital, their sense of themselves as useful, is affected by by what the patriarchy tells us. What is a woman good for? What is a woman for? A woman is consumptive. She's something that people get to look at. So as that changes, so too does her value. At that same nursing home where I was with my 106 year old student, I also had a really fantastic friend who I think she was 94, 95 at the time. And I would sit, would talk to her and she asked, I asked her once if there was anything I could pray for her about. And she said to me, pray for me to die. And I talked to her a little bit more about that. Of course, I can understand, you know, there she was at nursing home and I can understand why that would be her prayer. But the reason she wanted to die was that she did not feel that she was useful anymore. She did not feel she didn't know why she was on the planet anymore because she wasn't doing anything of any value. And she just thought I should just die. So this wasn't a person asking to die because she was in some kind of pain, physical pain. She really wasn't in that much physical pain. She didn't know why she was here. She didn't know what her purpose was because all the things that had defined her as a woman who lived through most of the 1900s, all those things had defined her didn't exist for her anymore. She wasn't the caretaker of her children. She wasn't a beautiful thing, an object to be looked at anymore. She wasn't the creator of children or the caretaker of grandchildren. So she had no identity. It was such a poignant moment to sit with her and to feel her into her heart and and that really genuine longing not to be on the planet. It was also poignant in that sense that we have allowed so much patriarchy to filter through us that women are abandoned and become destitute in their old age not all women all the time of course but for so many women it seems like they're rowing right, endlessly to that the other side of the shore that's a line and it's not part of the true wheel of life For me, what's useful, because I can't fix every person all the time, and I'm working on the patriarchy, but as we smash it together, we must have patience, determination, diligence, and devotion to another image. So what I can work on inside of myself is dawning realizations about the way I conceive of my own age, the way that patriarchy has come into me, I mean, for me, The changes I've seen in my face in the past five years and my relationship to this concept of the wrinkle um, is something that really needs to be deconstructed and to even just sit with that awareness of like wrinkles aren't anything. They aren't a good or a bad. They aren't a beauty or an ugliness in and of themselves. They're only what the culture makes us think that we are. Now, don't get me started on the beauty industry, right? We could talk forever about the amount of money that's in the beauty industry and and what women are taught about the necessity of, of looking youthful forever. But what is beauty? And what is youthfulness? Is youthfulness simply chronological age? But that's a linear definition where we're just progressing from birth to death. In a cyclical sense of that, youthfulness actually would be a quality It would not be something you'd see with your visible eye on somebody's face. It would be a quality of presence. Tao Portion Lynch, who was one of my yoga teachers, passed at 101. I was with her. I took workshops with her, 97, 98, 99. She was one of the most youthful people I had ever been around. Now, I'm sure she had cycles and seasons in her very, very long life. But her youthfulness wasn't expressed by the smoothness of the skin on her face or the pigmentation in her hair. Although she was extremely youthful, she was supple and agile and doing yoga well beyond 100 years old. But youthfulness was a quality that she possessed and expressed. And that is true youthfulness. As we all know, you can meet young people who seem very old, who have a lot of limitations, and you can meet older people who are very vibrant and very alive. So my encouragement to you to think about how you're going to smash the patriarchy of age with yourself is to begin to deconstruct well, first begin to have awareness of the lies that you are holding and, and be willing, you know, even if you think you're like a really evolved, progressive feminist person, which I think I am. But then to go, wow, I'm really looking to see the more insidious ones, the hidden ones or the ones that I may be holding on that say something about myself as a diminishing person because I gain a year every year. And there's no diminishment in the cycle of life there's only flowering fruition and then um, recreation regeneration through the earth and a return to growth all of that that's for us some of my thoughts only some of my thoughts here on the age of patriarchy and the patriarchy of age and more to say more to do let me know what you think and until next time, next week, when we're together again, I hope you have a truly beautiful day, truly beautiful week. and go be ageless. Thanks for listening in. This is me Sam Wild, aka The Fertile Feminist. and you've been listening to the Fertile Feminist podcast. Find me on YouTube at the Samantha Wild aka The Fertile Feminist, and hit the website, thesamanthawile.com, for all kinds of resources, inspirations, and ideas. Also on Instagram, at The Fertile Feminist. Until next week, may you tap into that native abundance, creativity, fruitfulness, and life force that's going to help us all bring about that more beautiful world that we know is possible.